Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. This is the Art Beauty Podcast, where we tell the real truth about the fake shit. And my fabulous co-hosts today are a mother-daughter duo. I love this. We've got Liesl Ulrich Vertiber and her mother, Dr. Linda uh, Ulrich. Sorry, I'm getting a little tongue-tied today. Uh, so thank you so much for being with me today. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. We're delighted. So I thought we would do things a little bit differently. We're sort of right in like the midst of the holiday season, everyone. And, you know, in the spirit of grace and kindness and all things good, we normally focus on the outer beauty, but today I thought we would go a little bit to the inner beauty. Before we get into that, you guys have some really interesting stories because, you know, you're an author, you've got this incredible website that we're going to be talking about, but then when you just logged on and you told me you're a dentist, I was blown away. And your daughter's a Harvard grad. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, wow, you must be a proud mama. Well, I'll tell you, it, it's, it's hard work. She, she, she had a lot of self-discipline growing up, even when she was four. Yeah. Oh, so, that, that serves sometimes <laughs> that self-discipline impulse. <laughs> and so Liesl, are you guys working together? Cause I know you, you founded this website, ever widening circles, yeah. um, which I do want to talk about, but is this sort of a full-time job? Are you okay? Yeah, totally. Totally. So I, mom started ever widening circles in uh, 2014 officially. Um, and at that point I was, uh, I guess I was a junior or senior in college. I can't remember. I was sort of this very typical cynical, not super pleasant college student, you know, the type of person who was like, yeah, I know the bad things in the world, mom, like your positive news website. Okay. Okay. You know, really not into it. Uh, and then, you know, but I did have this driving force to want to do good out of college. And so I didn't go into finance. I didn't go into consulting. I really <clears throat> wanted to look around at startups that were doing a lot of good in the world. Mm -hmm. And, um, I looked around, I looked in the EU, I looked in the U S and there was just like nothing that was resonating with me. Um, and at the time mom was sort of bringing ever widening circles from sort of this like pet project to wanting to grow it into something. And I was like, wait a minute, there's a startup in my own home. That's doing a lot of good. I've loved being a writer my whole life. Um, and then I fell in love with the whole side of design and the whole side of writing. That is a huge part of what we do. Um, and so I came on initially, I was like, I'm only helping for a little while. And then I absolutely fell head over heels in love with the work. Um, and now it's, I would say more than a full-time job. Anybody who's an entrepreneur knows that you know, you, you work all the time on the things that you're passionate about. And now we're able to grow in some very interesting ways because we do have this now, you know, full media company dynamic. So, okay. So you started, I'm going to take us just a step back. Yeah. Um, so Dr. Dr. Ulrich, you started this website, essentially, this is in 2013. Mm -hmm. um, and, and what was your sort of goal and purpose? Well, as I mentioned, I've been noticing, so my dental practice is a lot different than, than many in that we really focus on keeping the humanity in healthcare. My husband is also a dentist and we were childhood sweethearts. And my dad was one of the last of the Mohican physicians who taught us about keeping the humanity in healthcare. 
And um, so we, we spent time celebrating something in every single patient's life for 30 years. Okay. And yes. It was just the mission. Where are you based, by the way? We live about 10 miles from the Canadian border in Vermont, about an hour south of Montreal. I was like, this sounds, yeah, I grew up in a, in a, in a small town, Putnam Valley, about like an hour north of the city, but very different. This sounded like a good, you know, small towns. That's like, you have that community. And I remember my doctors like knew, you know, they know everything about you because they're, they they watch you grow up. Yeah. Uh Yeah. (laughs) Well, to that point, um, I've been noticing these conversations that felt like a downward spiral with patients I'd known for 20 years who'd otherwise been very chipper. It was already starting back as far as 2011, 12, 13. And okay. then I kept saying, you know how we do. We say, someone's got to do something about this. We can't have the negative news pressing down on us like this. And then one day I got an email from a, a young man I'd known since he was a toddler from a foxhole in an atrocious place in the world. And Cameron thought of me when he needed a sign of hope. He needed to hear that it was still an amazing world. And I can't, I got goosebumps just telling you the story. Yeah, me too. And and I think it was because every time he ever came in my office, he knew he could count on, count on me for that kind of uplift. So I dove into the internet to find some place that I could send this kid for good news with no politics, you know, no commercial agenda, just driving away and, and someplace that any generation or culture could appreciate. I searched for three weeks. Yeah. It doesn't exist. No, it didn't exist. And of course that very day I responded to this email in the best way I could, but, um, somehow on week number three, I just threw up my hands and I, and that person who should do something about that became me. (laughs) And I decided to, I made this crazy promise to write one article a day on anything under the sun to prove it is still an amazing world. And wow. that's what I was doing um, quite alone. And, and I had some helpers, of course. Um, and then before we knew it, we had 170,000 Facebook fans all that's around the world. Incredible. It's insane. And it was just a passion project. I think we were sometimes writing about things like how many people can you shove into a Volkswagen? Uh, right. Right. And many okay. How many people can you shove into a Volkswagen? How many oh, people yeah, can you? It, well, there's some wonder there when you really think about and it. A little <laughs> bit of math on physics. I think it depends. I think it depends on the Volkswagen, right? Because I had a friend who had, um, you know, it's like, are you in the bug or are you in the minivan? Right. Yes, yes, yes. Right. I, had some, I, I had a friend who had a minivan. And let me tell you, in, the, in high school, we had some fun in that thing. Uh, well, that's we're just going to leave that there <laughs> with a lot of people. <laughs> I mean, there there was no place for a real source of wonder. You know, right. I would write about the Northern Lights, which I was surprised how many people didn't know about that wonder in the world. I would write about things in science and the most amazing TED Talks. And so it caught on and it was a it was a, a global craving. Speaking of the Northern Lights, did you guys get to see them? I know that they were in like sort of the Northeast recently. Um, we couldn't see them here in the city because it was too bright. I think that, I don't think so. We've been having kind of yeah. up here really very cloudy days. This is our first blue sky, sunny day that we're having. Nice. Um, Vermont winter, you get you get four beautiful days and then right. if you like snow, it's where to go. <laughs> I mean, we just had a huge snowstorm. Um, oh, yeah, right, right. I feel like I haven't left my house in five days. Uh, I don't like it. My dad said I was bred to be kept in warmer climates. um, And I agree. (laughs) 
So, so you start to notice that there's this huge attraction because people are, are, are needing inspiration. Um, what do you think, what do you think it is, you know, focusing now on, um, kindness and you just wrote a book, happiness is an option, surviving, thriving and surviving in the era of the internet. Um, or maybe you didn't just write that, but that is your book. Yeah. It was published September 1st of, of this year. Yes. So you are a new author. Congratulations. Um, what what do you think? What do you think it is about the internet that is so challenging for us, or maybe causes so much stress and anxiety? You want to field that one? Yeah, sure. I think one of the biggest things about the internet that causes us stress and anxiety is we have, and this is this is just human nature, is we have this tendency to whatever we absorb most is what we think of the world. So if you are only turning on the news and seeing these newsworthy events, because they're novel, they don't happen all that often. That's why we learn about the car crashes and the plane crashes and the terrorist attacks and all those things, right? They are newsworthy because they don't actually happen all that often. But right. human brains are, are wired that the more you hear about something, the quicker it comes to mind. Mm -hmm. And so you add that to the way in which the internet works, which is very algorithm based. Think of every click you make as a vote, mm -hmm. whatever you click on, you get more of. So right. if the more you click mm -hmm. on headline after headline about disaster or chaos or someone doing something horrible in the world, the more that you're going to enter that echo chamber. And so our, our brains are, are becoming more and more wired to jump to, oh my gosh, that person is, is, is bad. Oh my gosh, that person is out to get me. Oh my gosh, the world is out to get us. It's creating this sense of future, future, future fatalism, right? This idea that there's nothing we can do to change the outcome of the future. It's just going to be bad. I may as well give up anyway. And I think that, you know, our echo chambers in combination with the way our brains work is really making it stressful to exist on the internet, right? We used to have our personal lives and our, like our, and our work lives, right? Those were two lives. Now we're adding in this third life, this digital life. And it's a completely new thing. I mean, no one made the rules of the internet. Children made the rules of the internet, really. Teenagers did, right? Well, and, and, and now going on, not to cut you off, but like now it's like the, the home life, the work life, and the internet life are all yes. in the same place. And, so they're, and they're competing for time yeah. and attention in a way that's stressful, right? In a way that no longer allows you to sort of disconnect them. Mm. And like you're saying, now that we're all at home or most of us are at home, all of a sudden those three are now on top of each other in an even more confusing way. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of what we're feeling about the internet comes from just our our sort of these, these basic human things that are actually pretty easy to, to trick yourself and your algorithms out of, out of seeing and doing. And that's sort of a great part about all this. Once you know, once you know a little bit more about the internet, once you know that your click is a vote, um, right. you can start to act differently and your life starts to be, to be different. I will, I'm going to second that. I'm glad that we have a doctor and a Harvard grad here talking about this because I grew up, um, my, my early career was as a news reporter um, yeah. and in news. I also worked for a 24 hour news network. And when I left the news, the hardcore news to go do um, lifestyle and beauty, because somebody was like, do you want to come do that? And I said, murders or manicures? I'd rather do the manicures. Um, <laughs> but what I did notice was that by turning off by not being in this environment that was consistently seeking out news. And let's be honest, you know, news mm -hmm. is 
the, the, the line between news and entertainment is sort of blended now. We've got yeah. news shows and right afterwards you've got an opinion show. And I think sometimes right. it's hard to tell the difference between the two. Right. Um, but when I stopped working there, I realized like all of a sudden I was stressed all the time. It was less stressful. And I say this sometimes to people like, I watch the morning news because I'm still a news junkie, but the morning news is generally more positive. You get the top lines of things where the evening news can be a little bit, you know, they used to say, if it bleeds, it leads. Um, and I think the big thing is if we start thinking about the way we consume media, all media, that's social media and the news, like a diet, right? I think there's people that are like, I'm going to fast. I'm taking myself off social media. I'm taking myself, I'm not watching the news. But we all know what a fast does to us. We come back, we're dazed and confused. We have no idea what's going on. And then we just like overconsume afterward. Yeah. Or, you know, we are treating these big, heavy news stories. I mean, you can't eat a steak dinner with a baked potato and a, you know, hefty meal like every five, 10 minutes, right? You can't, that's what going on to Twitter is. If you're, I was like, to- every night, I'm like, well, <laughs> well every <laughs> five minutes, every night, right. I, I will accept it every night, but, but every five minutes, certainly you get a little, overwhelmed, right? And so at Ever Widening Circles, what we like to do is think of what we offer as like this this healthy alternative, right? This healthy alternative, a salad. It's not too complicated. We're offering people something that helps to balance all of this, the junk food of social media, the goody sweets of that like one sweet little news story that's supposed to make you feel better at the end of the nightly news. We're really offering people something that's meaningful that they can sink their teeth into. And it's sort of like, once you start to, in, to have that in your, in your news diet, you go, oh wait, I feel better when, I'm, when, I, when I bring this into my news diet. I want to add more of this. Just like you sort of start to feel good after you start to eat a little more healthy. And I think that's what we try and offer people is really this space where they can come into a place where they can feel better, feel more meaningful news, right? We're not just doing these like fluffy yeah. one-off, articles about the good stuff that's happening in the world. We're really saying there's meaningful good stuff. We know there's bad stuff happening in the world, but unless we know who's helping, unless we know that, you know, who's being kinder than they need to be, who's actually out there changing the world, we're just going to feel hopeless and helpless because that's all we know to do. But once we start to add in knowing about the people that are doing good in the world, when those downward spiral conversations start Mm -hmm. to happen, we have something to add to be additive Mm -hmm. and say, actually, did you know X or Y? Well, wait, I, so can you, because this is why I love doing the podcast. Um, can you give us an example of something that you think, uh, you know, fits that mold right now for all of us to hear? Well, I was going to suggest we just tell you a few stories from the conspiracy of goodness to sort of okay. get everybody's engines revving. I should say that that was the, the magic that Liesl brought to this project is that she sat me down that, that day that she decided to join me and she said, mom. I'll join you if you do two things. We're gonna tell real news. We're not gonna talk about puppies in mailboxes and people stuffing themselves in cars. (laughs) This is gonna be real stuff that should be on the evening news and is not showing up there for whatever reason. And she said, you've gotta get a beautiful, fantastic website made. And I did those two things, so I snagged her. (laughs) So what um, what what is the conspiracy of goodness? Okay, uh, let me tell you three stories from the conspiracy of goodness, and then I'll I'll tell you what the, where that phrase actually comes from. So there is actually so my experience tells me after seven years, there is an enormous wave of goodness and progress going on in the world that almost no one knows about, because for now it's 
buried by all the negativity and chaos that's rising to the surface of the internet. So, um, you know, none of this made sense to me. Why, why do we, are we on these downward spiral conversations? Why do we think the world's um, a dumpster fire? Until I started putting so much time and volume into trying to choose what articles we write about on everyone in circles. We've got, we're booked out. I don't even know how But, but I want to know, so if you don't mind, I'm not going to, just because um, I, I want to get to the meat and potatoes of like, what okay. is one of these good stories okay. that you have for here's, us? Here's the first one I like to tell people about. Topher White. He was an engineer who was on vacation in, in a gibbon reserve in Borneo when all of a sudden the staff jumped up and ran towards the forest. So he's that kind of guy who ran after them. And there just about 500 feet in a protected part of the forest was a gang with chainsaws taking down an enormous tree. And the problem in the rainforest is that the natural sound is so loud that these folks couldn't even hear it. Rangers couldn't even hear this kind of destruction that close. And it set him to thinking about, was there a way that we can protect the remaining rainforests using sound technology? And Topher has invented a way to protect the remaining rainforest in the world using old cell phones. Wow. Yes. What he does is, and his team, he has this beautiful organization called the Rainforest Connection. They tune old cell phones, like we all have in a junk drawer, to only pick up the sound of the frequency of a chainsaw. And then they use the tallest trees in the remaining rainforest as cell towers, put them up there with little daisy chains uh, of uh, solar collectors. And the minute a chainsaw starts, local rangers are alerted using satellite systems and they can swoop in and save the day. Now, you know, he has calculated that this one innovation, using things we already have plenty of, could change and take away 23% of the greenhouse gases. This is one cell phone in a tree protecting three kilometers of forest is the same as taking 3,000 cars off the road. Wow. Wow. Imagine. So and, and no, I've never heard of this. Yeah. Yes, no one has, but it's the most remarkable thing. And the way the internet works, this endeavor will never rise to the top of the internet mm -hmm. because we're all clicking on, on things that bring us a bit of doom and gloom without realizing. Okay, here's another one. You want to tell one? Well, I, I was just going to say, and to that, I mean, in a real life application, I think we all remember last year, if we can remember oh, right. last year's bad news cycle, right, was that the rainforest is on fire, the Amazon is completely being destroyed, right? And so while everybody was running around telling that story, we had written about Topher White twice, you know, right. two years before, like we'd already talked about him. And knowing that story that we kept putting out to our team and to our readers, that helped us and helps our readers balance this, this, this bad the news doom and gloom. thing, right? So, it's about balance. It's about knowing that bad things are happening in the world, like knowing that the last rhinos are out there. That's terrible. But also learning about people like Damian Mander, who's discovered that like single mothers make the best game wardens. They're, they, they understand the community better than most game wardens do, than male game wardens do. They, they have this drive to do good for their community and their families. And it leads to them becoming incredible game wardens that can stop poachers without even, without even firing off a shot, stop poachers before they even get to the point of, of killing the elephant, right? Like single mothers? Yes. Single mothers in Africa make the best game wardens. I mean, you know what? God bless them, seriously. And, and to all the single mothers and actually to all the mothers out there, God bless you. Um, yeah. It is not an easy job. Yeah. You know, 
I we recently did a podcast with a woman who was a um, an, an image consultant and a makeup a makeup artist, and she sort of stumbled into um, working with working with blind people, um, mm-hmm. and met this blind woman, and was like, you know, I need help doing my makeup. Can you teach me non-visual ways to learn how to do this? And she, it's incredible. But long story longer, um, she told me about an app that's, you know, another example of technology. I'm not sure if you've heard of this. It's called Be My Eyes. No, I haven't. Oh, so it's something that you guys should write about. So Be My Eyes is this incredible app. You sign up for free. And so anybody cited can go, you you sign up and you will get an alert for a person who is visually impaired. Um, they basically, and it, you get this alert in your phone. I think there's 4 million people. So it's not like you're getting alerts all the time. I think there's 4 million volunteers and maybe um, 200,000 visually impaired people registered right now. But I got my first call the other day. Um, it just kind of an alert pops up. And if you can't answer the alert, you don't worry because there's it just bounces to the next person. But my alert came up. Uh, and when I turned on, you know, a gentleman was like, can you help me tell me, does, does, does this shirt match this pant or is it this shirt and this pant? I'm just looking for a color match. And mm. I was able to help him out and went on with my day. But it was just, I think the whole thing took maybe four minutes. And it was such a wonderful way to, um, to feel like I was doing something and and to try to be helpful uh, and appreciate my vision. Um, that cost me essentially nothing, four minutes of my time. And I'm wondering if you, do you have any other stories? Cause I was blown away. I'd never heard about this app. Uh, and it's, it's so awesome. Is there anything like that, that you know of that? Oh, tell us, do tell us. I have goosebumps head to toe as you're telling the story. Um, okay, so uh, another story we like to tell about the conspiracy of goodness is about this wonderful man named Daniel Kish, related to what you're talking about. Daniel Kish is often referred to as the original Batman because okay. Daniel lost both of his eyes as a baby and he started clicking at the world and his mother didn't shush him. And this constant clicking, um, he developed the ability to navigate the world with echolocation like bats do. Wow. And he has traveled the world alone for 30 years, teaching echolocation to blind people all over the world. Daniel can ride a bike. Isn't that insane? He hikes. I once talked to him as he was walking through O'Hare Airport by himself. Wow. Like a real life superhero, essentially. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But he teaches us about the stories we're telling ourselves. What are we telling ourselves is impossible when right between our own ears, we may have the ability to do so many things. Can I tell you um, the actual story of the conspiracy of goodness? Because it relates exactly, exactly what you just experienced with that, your ability to be a helper. Okay. Um, So... I was talking to a thought leader about an article I was writing, um, and he was asking me about ever-widening circles. This was about two years ago. And he said, Linda, what you're, what you're talk- doing sounds exactly like the conspiracy of goodness. You know that story, don't you? And I said, no. And his dad was a superintendent of schools in New York, New York City schools when he was growing up, and he used to tell this story. So um, during World War II, most people don't realize that there was this little village called Le Chambon, France, that managed to save... 3,500 Jews from the concentration camps. 
With no organization and at great rest to their own lives, this small village managed to save thousands, most of them orphans, for two years. So I did the research on what happened in Le Chambon, and I found um, a, a rabbi named Harold Schulweis was giving a talk in Europe on that chapter of history that he called the conspiracy of evil. And he said at the end of the talk, an old man stood up in the back of the room who'd been one of the Dutch rescuers. And the old man asked, why does everyone focus on the conspiracy of evil that was World War II? The old man said, do you think I could have saved an entire family in my home without the active cooperation of the milkman, the mailman, and the neighbors? No, he said, for every one person saved, there were seven who were rescuers. Mm -hmm. It was oh. a conspiracy of goodness. Yeah. Oh, you're really getting emotional. That's so, yeah. This is who we are. We are not what we see on the internet and, the, right. and, and social media. We are givers. We are doers. We have been for millions of years. The internet did not change that. Right. What it's doing is just giving us a very, very narrow slice of reality about each other and the world. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this is, uh, the holidays can be, I think, um, a very happy time in some ways. And for some people, it's, it's, it's really hard, mm -hmm. um, you know, compounded by the fact that this year has just, you know, been unlike anything any of us could even imagine. Um, do you have any advice for how people can get through the holidays, how they can either deal with family or maybe if they're alone, how they can sort of turn off some of the, the sadness and stress in their, their brains? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things, and I think we can, we all know this in our lives, but it's sometimes it deserves a reminder is what we focus on expands, right? So I often think about if we're focusing on, this is going to be a terrible Christmas, that guy is going to, you know, that, that my cousin's friend is going to say this to me. My uncle's going to be such a jerk, all those things. We're going to be on the lookout. Remember our brains again are, are primed for the things we say the most, they're going to be primed to find those moments and to capitalize and say, oh, yep, that's proves my point. It's going to be a terrible Christmas. But if instead, or a terrible holiday season, if instead we decide to start looking for moments of beauty or start looking for moments of kindness or start looking for moments where people are being helpful, right? Just start counting those. Make a mental list of the number of times these good things happen. You know, what we, you know, what we, see what we focus on, we're going to see more of, right? We're going to start noticing those little things. Um, mom, you have a great quote that's like, you know, I started looking for beauty instead of truth. And I see beauty a lot more often. Now I see truth, truth a lot more often. And I think that that is such a beautiful phrase because it reminds us that if we're, if we're on the hunt, if we're on the hunt for things to look out for, which I know that I myself am guilty of this. I'm usually on the hunt for like the thing that's going bad, the thing to criticize. If I put that aside and I make a conscious effort to find the things that are, are good, the, thing, the moments that are, are, the, are good, those moments start to resonate in my mind and they come, they come to mind fastest instead of ne the negativity. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. I, I know that like 
earlier this year, I was like, made a commitment to try to be more of a yes person, mm-hmm. right? Instead of always kind of like, if somebody's like, let's do this. And you're like, well, I shouldn't really, or, you know, let's eat a piece of cake. Well, I shouldn't really for the, it's just like, yeah, totally try to do that because, you know, practice makes perfect. And then, you know, I wanted to be a person who said yes to life. And I love this idea of, you know, try to not focus so much on the negative. Um, Look for the positive things because guess what? Sometimes people can surprise you, right? Oh, it's huge. Can I give you a little practical tip on that? I would love that. Yes. Okay. I've learned this over 30 years. Um, I try and change contempt to curiosity as fast as I can. The minute I learn somebody's politics aren't like mine or my brother says something totally <laughs> you know <laughs> or whatever I, I I feel it like everyone else does I might I want to follow my emotions over a cliff but I don't I change contempt that feeling of contempt to curiosity just like that it's a muscle okay can I give you an example Yes, please. So in my office, um, there's a time of year, we just finished it, where every, well, not every single, but many, many uh, of my male patients are coming in in in, uh, camo because they're they're hunters. Vermont has amazing culture about hunting. So I will always ask these folks, so John, did you get your deer yet? And I'm not a hunter. I grew up in Illinois where there's not very much to shoot (laughs) anymore. It's more corn and soybeans. And I'm not really, um, I'm not really looking to hear a whole lot about whether John got a steer, but you know what I, what I am looking for? I love the forest. So the minute John says whatever he says to my response, I say, John, how long did you sit in that deer stand to get that deer? And he'll say, six hours. Yeah. And I say, John, tell me what you saw for six hours and heard in that deer stand. And then he will tell me the most amazing things that I would never have the opportunity or the patience to discover on my own. And there's where we connect. There's where getting curious far outweighs um, the contempt that you might have for somebody. Listen, I'm going to just also, I love that. I'm going to cut through the BS right now because I've tried to take that when it comes to politics, right? Politics has become this year, I don't care what side you're on, um, it's just become so contentious um, and family members fight. And uh, I have a giant family and I would say um, between the brothers and sisters and cousins, they're probably split down the middle. And we have managed to get together for the holidays without screaming at each other. I hear these stories sometimes. But I think one of the things, it can get a little edgy But I agree. I've tried to make this less about like, listen to my point and more of like, well, tell me why you think this way. Let's try to, let me ask and let me try to approach you and say, well, well, why do you think this instead of you shouldn't think this, this is right or wrong. It's like, well, well, what, why do you feel that way? Mm -hmm. Um, And not in a, not in a demeaning or sort of condescending way in a, in a curiosity. So I, I love that. Um, do yes. everything. And, and I, sorry, I had to bring it to politics. Cause you know, we just don't even want, nobody wants to go there, but again, going home, um, holidays, you know, the new year's this time of year, families are going to get together. Um, actually my best friend was worried because her, her, she and her father have very different political views. And, and to me, that's like, you know what, start with yourself. Mm-hmm. Don't focus on him. He might not change, but you can also open yourself up to to either be inquisitive about why he feels that way or just maybe try to avoid that. But 
I like this idea of approach things with curiosity, not contempt. It's, it's that really, is wonderful. It's really the way to go. You know, no one ever changed their sports team because somebody yelled at them is yeah. like the sports analogy I like to use. But I also think that the best way to start conversations, the most meaningful conversations, and it feels genuine. People know that you're not going to go in and start blasting them as if you are genuinely curious mm-hmm. about who people are. People love to talk about themselves. And so if you are genuinely curious about another person and not trying to sway them or not trying to think of your answer while they're talking, mm-hmm. but actually truly listen to them and think, okay, what did they, what did they actually just say? Maybe I take a second after they're done explaining to ask a meaningful question, not just like saying they're like, Oh, I'm going to get this point. I'm going to figure out what to say next. Yeah. You can't, you can't be ready to, you can't be asking questions just so you can say your opinion. Mm -hmm. People have antenna for that sort of thing. That is a good, you know, I don't even know what to say about that because I grew up in a family where everybody was always just talking and it was shouting and it was like lovingly shouting. We just all talked over each other. Um, so I think that's a good, Take a minute, take it in, take a beat, listen. The art of listening is something that we all can work on um, this year. You know, do you have any um, do you have any sort of plans in terms of 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 New Year's and resolutions? Do you even do that kind of thing? I think one of the things that I am resolving to do a little bit more this year. Um, I was tried to resolve to do it last year, but it was a, a different year, um, let's say, is really to start being more mindful of small good moments and mm-hmm. really being more conscientious of those small good moments and living in them. I think anybody who has who's running their own business or feels any sort of the hustle mentality, which can just come down on us from all corners of, of media, um, is we forget to celebrate little positive moments. And again, it goes back to the more that you're trying to expand that world. I am not a naturally positive person, despite what my job description is, despite what I work for. I'm not, I'm not like Miss Mary Sunshine running around. Um, but being able to say, oh, that's a good moment. That's a good moment. And, and start to gather that basket. It really starts to bolster you when difficult things happen. Um, and, you know, as we learned from last year to this year, you never know what's going to happen. And so being able to start gathering that little basket of good things mm-hmm. and gathering them more and more regularly, I think is really going to be a huge thing for all of us just to be a little bit more mindful of those moments. I, like I have something I'd that. love to share with your audience. Um, so are you aware of this thing that we're, we're this way that we're proposing people change what they see on the screens in their lives called the four shifts? No. Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you what the four shifts are to improve what you see on the screens in your life. But my New Year's resolution is to practice those four same four shifts in my life, in my, okay. in my off the digital world. So let me first share how we all start seeing a different world on, on the internet. So the internet is built to trigger our worst impulses, fear and anger. That's it. It's designed that way now, special social, especially social media. So there are four shifts that we can practice every day when we're just going to the internet as usual. And we will fundamentally change what we're teaching our algorithms. Here they are. The first thing we've got to do is pause. Pause before we click on anything. Don't like, share, tap anything because someone is counting every click we make. Right. And that sounds like more doom and gloom, but it actually means we have all the power to transform the internet in the coming era to something super positive. Because after we pause, we can do shift number two, 
we can ignore more. If you really look at what you're clicking on when you're doing that kind of random scrolling and clicking, you're usually clicking out of anger, boredom, or kind of morbid curiosity. Well, if we stop clicking in ABC mode, that's what I call it, anger, boredom, or curiosity. If we stop clicking in that mode, we will be reserving our clicks for all the good things that could make the world a more positive place. And then the third shift is seek signs of goodness and progress. This is what mm -hmm. we were talking about with the, you know, if we just wait for the internet to, to tell us what's good that's happening in the world, we're going to be waiting a long time. So right. if you seek it, you will be teaching your algorithms that that's what you want to see next. And lastly, the fourth shift is share signs of goodness and progress. Right. You know, most people don't realize that a like has only a tiny impact, but content creators are looking carefully at what we share. So on Facebook, if we see that our neighborhood 10-year-old raised $400 for the Humane Society, don't just like that. Share it. Right. And it will go out in a wave of its own. So those are the four shifts. Pause, ignore more, seek signs of goodness, and when you discover it, share it. So you can imagine those same four things right. in a holiday gathering with friends or in all the craziness trying to get ready for um, the holidays. Pause before you follow your emotions over a cliff. Ignore more of the craziness. Seek signs of goodness in others and then share that space with them, as Liesl said. I love that. And thank you so much for um, sharing this with us. Listen, for please sign up for Be My Eyes. I mean, it could take, I think I got my first uh, call. It was like a week after I'd signed up and I haven't had one since, but um, you know, I, I just think that it's such a wonderful way that everybody else can do that. Um, and I loved your uh, suggestion to Liesl on, you know, looking for those small moments. Uh, I learned this year to sort of ground myself in gratitude. Um, I'm not at all religious. I had a Jewish father, a Protestant mother, and I married a Catholic man. So there is no religious behind this, but every night I do, we say um, a grace before we eat out loud, it has nothing to do with religion, but there is something very special. It was actually my Jewish dad who started the whole family on this. Um, which I was like, oh, this is interesting. But we would say a grace out loud because when you say what you're thankful for, I think that it really cements things. It's not just enough to like think it, but I like, you know, religion aside, it's really something to actually say out loud with somebody else um, or even just to yourself. I'm really grateful for this moment. And it doesn't have to be before a meal. It can just be, you know, when you get out of bed and you shuffle down. I read Molly, Mally Roncal's book, she was a makeup artist on QVC. And she said, every morning I get out of bed and I say, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And it's it's something so simple, but that we should be doing. And, and I think to, to go back to inner beauty and, and beauty itself, right? I think when we start to internalize gratitude, it radiates out. Mm -hmm. Kindness radiates out. You think about, you all knew the person in high school was the most beautiful person, but you remember more the beauty of the person who was the kindest to you at a hard yes. time. You remember, you know, you think of these people in your life, the grandmother figure in your life, the humanitarian in your life, you know, they may not be beautiful, you know, in the traditional, like, here's the magazine aesthetic, but they have this beauty about them that resonates out that I think we all recognize. We all share that sense. It's like a human thing to know 
who the kindest one in the room is, they're, they're somehow glowing. You know them every time. I think that that's a huge thing to remember is that practice of gratitude when you internalize it becomes externalized as well. Yes. Start with beauty on the inside. We'll radiate it on the outside. I do challenge you, Liesl, because I used to think that I was a very negative person um, or not negative, but I didn't see the goodness. And it's funny. I challenge you to ask some of your closest girlfriends, because when I said that to some of my closest girlfriends, they were like, that is not how, maybe that's how you feel on the inside, but on the outside, that's not what you're showing. So I challenge you because I I bet you'd be surprised. You know, we're our own worst critics. And I always think, man, I'm like kind of cranky. Nah, but yeah. <laughs> I think maybe no, in practice. I, I don't definitely shifted over the years. I think I definitely have shifted over the years to maybe now a, a strong realist, and maybe people take that as optimism yeah. these days. <laughs> I want to thank you both so much for being on with us. So your book is Happiness is an Option, Thriving and Surviving in the Era of the Internet. Where can we get that? That's on Amazon. It's on my uh, public speaking website at drdr-linda with a y.com. Okay. And you know, people really want to get an instant good feeling for the conspiracy of goodness and the four shifts. My TED Talk is the is the very first place to go. It's 12 minutes. You'll have a spring in your step. Maybe where can we? Where can we get that on TED Talks? Like dot yeah, uh, com. Okay. Yeah, it's it's on the big TED site now. But it, if you okay. just uh, Google exposing the conspiracy of goodness, love it. You will find it. It will be the first to pop up. And then your website. If we really need like an instant instant gratification, everybody can click right off of this and go to go to everwideningcircles.com. And then if you're an app user and want an instant little slice of positivity in, in your on your phone every day, um, you can grab our app in the Apple Store or the Android Store for less than a dollar a month. You get access to all of our content, including our podcast with some incredible thought leaders. Um, and you get a little notification, the only notification from a, a, from a news app that's going to make you feel uplifted every single time. So. I'm signing up immediately. Thank yes. you for that. <laughs> we all need a little bit of goodness. That's the best way to do it. Start your day with us. Instead of scrolling in and listening through Instagram, just jump into one of the articles. It'll it'll put you in the right mood for gratitude. Ah, oh, and what a great listen. If you need a, actually, if if you, we need a last minute for those of us who celebrate Christmas, if we need a last minute Christmas gift, what a great thing to give to somebody. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, I totally. feel like. Dad, if you're listening, this app is coming to you because <laughs> he will be all over this. Thank you, ladies, so much. I really appreciate your time. I'm wishing you both the happiest of holidays. Um, love having a mother-daughter duo. I finally am going to get to see my mom after a year um, in two weeks, so I cannot wait. Thank you for having us on. Really appreciate it. Of course. And uh, if you have any questions you want me to pass along to Dr. Linda or Liesl, uh, any questions about the site, you can always reach out to me. Hello at Art Beauty Podcast. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Art Beauty Podcast. And as always, we will see you next Tuesday for our last show of the year. Bye. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.